You may be seated. Good morning. First and foremost, my name is Mike, and I am not Rob Jacobson. If you came here this morning expecting to hear Rob, please don't leave, at least not right away. Be calm about it, wait till I start talking, and then you can get up and slowly move out. That's fine. Um, Rob this week was at the midwinter, the covenant, the Northwest Covenant churches have like this meeting in the middle of the winter in Chicago. Um, where everybody kind of gets together and talks about how their churches are doing and have kind of a time of worship and togetherness for pastors and Bible teachers and that kind of thing. So he asked me to speak today. Um, I also had a little workshop that I was at this week. Um, And I'm a teacher, and I, I just don't like being away from my students. And I had to spend three days this week being away from my students at a conference. I teach mainly technology. And it's good to learn about your craft it is good to you know, find out different things and the new tools and gadgets and different kind of instructional methods that I might use in my classroom, but it's hard to be away from my kids, even if it, the conference is in Orlando. <laughs> so it was really hard. I struggled in my sandal shorts and t-shirts to uh, learn all these different things. So I'd rather, at this point, be a teacher than a pastor. Uh, Chicago, Orlando, yeah, it was an easy choice. But anyways, uh, it's an honor to be up in front of you today. Um, when Rob asked me to speak, the first thing I thought was that, uh, you know, when you come up and speak in front of people, especially when you speak from the Word of God, it's, it's, it's a privilege and it's a task because you certainly want people to understand that you're trying to talk about the Bible, you're trying to speak in a way, you're trying to speak for God, but hopefully you hear a little bit of what God's trying to tell us through my words. I'm also excited today because we're starting a new sermon series or a new message series, and it's really focused on the person of Joshua. The sermon series is called All In. You can kind of see it in the bottom right-hand corner there in in brownish-type letters. Um, It's called Fierce Follow-Through in an All-Talk World. And kind of the basic premise is that if we want to be all in in terms of our faith, that we have to have some some follow-through on the things that we're saying. We do live in a society that maybe talks a big game, um, like some Packer fans might do. But it is all about following through and making sure to complete the task that's at hand. And certainly um, for Christians, it's about um, you know, bringing that message to people, whether that be in how you talk or whether that be in how you act or in how you treat people. So the person of Joshua, he's an interesting character, is one of my, definitely one of my favorite characters. I really enjoy reading about him because there's so many different facets to who he is. And before we actually begin talking about Joshua, I think it's really important that we kind of take a step back a little bit before we get to the book of Joshua. I mean, he was important enough to get his own book. Um, but just take a little look at who he was because he's certainly mentioned um, before that. Now, there are some important things to know about him, and probably uh, some lesser important things to know about him, but all of them are good things to know. First of all, the first thing to know is that that is not his given name. He actually was named something else before he was named Joshua. Now, I have no prizes for you, but does anybody know what his name was before it was Joshua? This is a tough one. It's literally one verse in the Bible. Nobody? All right. His name was Hosea. And he was actually renamed my Moses. I don't know why. Um, maybe Moses knew like four Hoshea's and didn't know any Joshua's, so decided to name him that. But regardless of the reason for it, he was renamed. And he is not unique. 
There were other people in the Bible that were renamed for one reason or another. We go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we look at Abraham and Sarah. They were originally Abram and Sarai. So their name was changed. God changed their name. We also can go a few generations later to Jacob, who had his name changed by God to Israel. Go all the way to the New Testament, and you look at Peter. Originally, his name was Simon, but he was also called Peter, it says, and Christ would actually kind of go back and forth between calling him Simon, sometimes Simon, sometimes Peter. Now, the reason behind the name changes were not necessarily always the same. In fact, the, the kind of the placement of why, or not necessarily the placement, but the, the reason why was maybe different in each situation. God renamed Abram and Sarah. Moses renamed Joshua. And Peter, you know, that was kind of a surname. He already kind of had that name. But in each of those situations, the key thing to know is that there was some reason behind it and that it was significant that their name was changed. And a lot of times it was used as kind of a stop and then go. You're not called this anymore. Now you're called this. And back then, names were a big deal. I would say much more so than they are now. Now it might be important to you, your last name, because it's a family name, or your first name because you were named after someone. But the meaning behind the names back then was significant. Uh, when I was a kid in on one of the walls in the house I grew up in, we had these three nameplates. And on those three nameplates were the names of my brother, myself, and my sister. And my older brother's name was Christopher. And he had a name underneath it and what that meant. Something like, you know, uh, he who picks on his brother way too much. And then my sister had a nameplate, and hers was Amanda, and it probably said something like, she who would become incredibly sarcastic. And then my name, which Michael, which, you know, go figure, meant godly one. You know, it's just kind of how that worked. And our names, even though they had like meanings, you know, I don't walk, well, not a whole lot of people call me godly one. They call me Mike. Um, but back then, when you would say a person's name, it meant something. And especially when your name was changed, it was significant. So the fact that Joshua's name, it was changed to Joshua, was kind of a big deal. Something else to know about Joshua is that he was a leader. He began as a military leader. One of his other things that he did was he was an aide to Moses. So he would kind of follow Moses along. He got to kind of see the inside view of what was happening within the leadership of the Israelites. But he was a military leader. In the famous battle of the uh, Israelites versus the Amalekites, and if you don't remember this one, this is the one where Moses was you know, signaling for a touchdown. And when his arms would drop, the Israelites would lose. And when his arms would go up, the Israelites would win. Now, before this happened, Moses knew that this was going to be a tough battle. And he signaled out Joshua, and he said, Joshua, pick some men, because you're going to go and fight the Amalekites. Now, we know Joshua is not just going to walk around and say, hey, could you please go get some people and go fight the Amalekites? He is going to pick out someone who he knows is going to lead them into battle, and lead them into battle very courageously. So, we know his name was changed. We know he was a leader, and we definitely know that he was chosen specifically by God to lead the Israelites after Moses. Now, Moses was the man. I mean, truly, he was the one that grew up in Pharaoh's house, but yet chose to leave Pharaoh's house. He was the one that got the Israelites and brought them up out of Egypt and actually across the sea, parting of the sea. 
He was the one that led them in the desert. He was the one that would talk to them when they would start to get kind of crabby and grumbly and they hadn't eaten and they only had manna when they did eat. And he was also the one that when they needed water, God told them, go ahead and slap the rock with that stick. Remember the stick? It's the one he threw on the ground and turned into a snake. But when he did that, the water came gushing out. He was a leader. He was somebody that everyone looked up to in that community. But he made a mistake. After the first time that that happened, that he got that water to come out of the rock, the Israelites complained again. They said, we need some more water. I'm sure they were thirsty. But they needed water. And God said, this time, and he was specific about it, go up to the rock and tell the rock to bring forth water. Moses didn't do that. I have no idea why. But he went up to the rock, he took that stick, maybe he was just angry, and just smacked it again, and water definitely came out. But it was because of this that now Moses was not going to be allowed. God said, you disobeyed me, now someone else is going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And as far as I'm concerned, this is like, you know, catching the kickoff at the one-yard line, running it all the way back, all the way to the other team's one-yard line, and then stopping and handing it off to someone to go across the goal line. He just made one little mistake. He disobeyed God. But God said, someone else is going to have to score that touchdown. Someone else is going to have to lead them in. And he very specifically chose the person of Joshua. Now, Joshua's name was changed. Joshua was a military leader. We know he was strong. And Joshua was also very specifically set apart. Very very exactly, God said, I want this person to lead. Because God knew who Joshua is. He knew who he was. He knew he was strong that way. But that's not to say that once that mantle was kind of placed on Joshua, there may not have been some anxiety involved in now being a leader. Because throughout the entirety of the Israelites out of Egypt in the desert and the wilderness and all this stuff, and then moving directly into just being outside of the promised land, Joshua might have been a leader in certain parts, but there was always Moses there to back him up. If something kind of you know, happened, if there was a little mistake, if he you know, made a couple issues here and there, Moses was always there to clean up. But then, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, everything's on him. Now Joshua is the person that has to lead. And he is where the buck stops. When I was um, learning how to be a teacher when I was in college... I had all these classes, some good, some great, some boring, some exciting, but all these classes had a couple of different elements to it. One of the elements that was there was that you had to go to the classroom and listen to someone tell you what to do. And then there was another element that was a lot more fun for me, and that was we got to go into classrooms. We got to have a field experience. My first class, Foundations of Education, I listened. This is how you teach. This is what you do. And then you got to go to a classroom a couple days a week, and you got to watch a teacher teach. Maybe, if you were lucky, that teacher would say, okay, go ahead, you can teach this class for a few minutes. And that was a lot of fun. Then we had a couple more classes. We had some methods classes. This is how you teach math. This is how you teach science. I was an elementary ed major. So you got to learn how to teach all these classes. And each of those classes, or I should say a lot of them, had that element of being in a classroom. You got to have an experience since it kind of gradually moved up and you kind of gradually got more and more responsibility until you student taught. And then when you student taught, you actually got to go into the classroom and for a few weeks, you watched them, you observed that teacher and how they went about his or her business. But then, 
They stepped out of the classroom and you stepped in and you got to be the teacher. And as exciting as that was for me, I always had this sense of kind of calm and sense of peace because truly if I messed up, it really, I mean, unless I like hit kids, I'd never do that. But as long as I didn't do that, if there was a mistake, if something happened, I'm not really responsible for it. It was always the teacher. So it was kind of a no-lose situation for me. And I would be willing to bet that Joshua kind of had that same experience. But then once he was in charge, once he was the man, once he had to do everything, that was, for me, that was like the first day that I was actually the teacher in the classroom. That was the first day, and that was that following fall where I had my first job teaching fourth grade. And I walk into a classroom, and the kids come into the room, and they sit in the desks that I put in rows. And they read the board that I had written on instructions. And as they all sat down and the bell rang and I just kind of stared at them and I had 24, 9, and 10-year-olds waiting for me to, of course, make them brilliant scholars, there's a little bit of anxiety involved. God places us in these moments. God placed Joshua in that moment, I believe, for a reason. And I believe it's to give us the opportunity to show what God has put in us and an opportunity to show the type of person that we are, and as I see it, and maybe as some of you see it, the type of Christian we are, to show who Christ has created us to be and who God has made us and the gifts that he's given us. It's an opportunity for us, and the same thing with Joshua. So Joshua has this opportunity, and as we go to the book of Joshua, we lead into all these things. Yes, his name was changed. Yes, he was chosen. Yes, he definitely, he was a significant character, and he definitely had some leadership skills but he still had to be the man. He didn't have Moses around anymore. So now we pick up in the book of Joshua, Joshua 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, if not, you can certainly look up on the board. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said, Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When I was... 12 years old, I went to a basketball camp. It was Bethel basketball camp. And back, uh, back then, I was a lot shorter. And I loved basketball. Basketball was essentially my life. And when I went to this basketball camp, there was a guy named Ray Lucas. And Ray Lucas was about how tall I am now, but he could jump. I mean, like, he could jump out of the gym. He could dunk. And that was, like, amazing. And Ray Lucas was my small group leader. He was, I don't know, maybe 23, 24 at the time. And simply for the fact that he could dunk, I listened to everything he could say. 
Anything that came out of his mouth, I was like, absolutely, I'm in. And Ray Lucas had had a kind of a tough upbringing. He had a dad that wasn't really around. He had a mom that was kind of in and out of jobs. He had a family that really wasn't there to support him. But he found the Lord, and when he found the Lord, he found this verse. And it was the first time that, you know, the first verse that he shared with us. And it was that Joshua 1.9. It said, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. And listening to those words, what that told Ray was that in all situations, you have to be strong. Every opportunity that you're given, you have to be strong. And you have to know that God is behind you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And the next part's the important part. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. And as I'm listening to Ray say this, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm listening to someone who can dunk say this, so that was really cool. But the words did sink into me because what it tells me is that in every opportunity that I walk into, in every place that I go, I'm not alone. Even if it seems kind of daunting, even as I'm staring at 24, 9, and 10-year-olds. And I'm sure for Joshua, even though he'd been in positions of leadership, he'd been to battle, he'd been to war, I'm sure the fact that he was now in charge of everybody was kind of daunting. But hearing these words had to settle him down a little bit. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. And that's important for us to remember because these opportunities come along once in a while. Sometimes they come along really quickly, but they do come along. I coach basketball right now. One of the things that I tell kids is if you miss a free throw, don't worry about it. I'm almost positive there will be another one. and You will have your opportunity to get it again. And I would say the same thing about life. That a lot of those opportunities that we get, sometimes they pass us by, sometimes we stop right in the middle of them and kind of try to figure out what we want to do. It's those opportunities that we have that are going to kind of not necessarily make or break us at all, but certainly define the direction that we head in. The title of this sermon was Braver Safe. And in those situations and those opportunities, you do have a decision to make whether you're brave, whether you're safe. In my situation, in my classroom, I was going to teach. I mean, I wasn't going to freeze up and do nothing. Maybe for a moment or two, but that moment passed. And then I had an opportunity to be brave or safe. In my situation, brave and safe, there was a difference. Safe would have been teaching like, you know, I've maybe seen all the other people teach before. Safe might have been saying, okay, open your textbooks and do this. Whereas brave might have been for me saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit different. I'm going to try to be the teacher that God created me to be. I might teach a little bit differently than all the other teachers I've seen before. But I have that opportunity at that moment, and I had that opportunity. Joshua had that opportunity as well. He was not Moses. And maybe his leadership style was going to be a little bit different. But he had that opportunity to be brave or safe. He could have stopped right there and relied a little bit more on the elders. Now, the elders at this time was this group of leaders that everybody really respected, and they were from all the different tribes in Israel. And he could have relied on their leadership and said, you know what, guys, I just don't really know what to do here. Could you help me out? What do you think I should do? He could have done that. But he also had that opportunity to be brave, not just brave as in battle, but brave as in being the leader that God called him to be, that God knew he could be. And, you know, I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your opportunities are. 
And I don't know exactly how that looks for you. Sometimes your opportunities are simply walking to the mailbox and a neighbor who you don't get along with is walking to the mailbox at the same time. That could be your opportunity. Nice and safe. Might be cold weather, huh? Grabbing your mail, going back in the house. You could say that about 10 months of the year. (laughs) Brave might be asking them about their family. Brave or safe might be a situation in a grocery store. You're in line. You've got three or four things. You're kind of in a hurry. Someone behind you has one item. Safe might be just forgetting that they're behind you, focusing forward, walking through the line there. Brave might be saying, you know what, go ahead and go ahead of me. Small situations can make a big deal to some people. For me being a teacher at times, I don't always think of that, opportunities to be brave or safe. On a daily basis, I probably don't. Joshua probably didn't have a lot of situations where he's thinking, what do I want to do here, be brave or be safe? But at that moment, right here in the book of Joshua, right when he was given the reins, he had an opportunity. And I'm sure you do as well. As we look at Joshua throughout the course of the next, I think, seven to eight weeks, you're going to see many opportunities that he had You're going to see many times when he had to think to himself, what should I do? Yes, he was going to rely on God. Yes, he had that opportunity to step in to a situation and be brave. But, you know, he also had that opportunity to be safe. And it's interesting for me to watch how his decision-making changes over time, how much more confidence he gains in God, and how his faith obviously grows. The decision to be brave or safe doesn't make or break you, but it will start to define that the direction that your life might head in. The more opportunities that you have, and you will have opportunities to be brave, the easier it becomes to do that. Maybe it's with giving. Maybe it's with, you know, talking to someone at school. Maybe you're in school and it's talking to your professor. Maybe it's talking to someone who looks like they're hurting and asking them how they're doing rather than kind of letting someone else do it. But whatever that situation is, we look at the person of Joshua and we see someone who is going to start to act very bravely. And the reason why he's able to do it is because he knows. And I think the reason that he does it and the reason that we can do it and the strength that we can gain from knowing that God is with us in these decisions, and that we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be terrified. We don't have to get discouraged because God is with us. Rob will return next week and probably the week after that as well. And when he comes back, he's going to talk about Joshua and he's going to see all these situations and you're going to hear about them. And what I would like you to do is I would like you to not necessarily put yourself into Joshua's position, but see yourself in your own situations Think about how Joshua acted, maybe how you could follow and kind of parallel what he's doing in some of your decisions. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunities that you give us on a regular basis to be with people, to be kind to people, to love them, Lord. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you tell us to not be scared to not be fearful because you're with us. Thank you for the people in our lives that encourage us and strengthen us because they are reflections of you and how you can do that for us. 
Thank you for this day. Please give us a good day, Lord. Please give us a good week. And uh, may we see those opportunities and look out for them and choose to be brave, even when it's probably a lot easier to be safe. Pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. If you guys want to stand with us this